Hello all, this is Artie Cook, the host of the Ex-Millennial Man Podcast, the podcast for SeedSaint.com. And my goodness, you guys are going to think that there was some kind of falling out or something between myself, Ty, Tina, all that stuff. But no, it's just we're in this really weird scheduling time of the year. And I know today Ty was we were, or we were Ty and I were supposed to do a podcast, but I said, ah, let's take the week off because I don't know if you guys heard, but here in Southwest Ohio, we had a couple of tornadoes. And one of those tornadoes was not far from my house. So the day we were going to record, I didn't have any power and or I was catching up with work, all sorts of things. And then Tina will be coming back next week as we talk about Wimbledon. So you're going to get two weeks in a row, a special doubleheader of just me. And I, I thought about, well, I'll yell about politics or I'll yell about this, that, or the other thing. But no, I wanted to do something positive again. Uh, there's a lot of a lot of crap going on in the world today. And, you know, last week, I and I, first off, I appreciate everybody that reached out, gave me some comments, said that they liked it, thought I got a little too serious at the end, which I get, which you don't have to worry about on this one. Because today I wanted to go back in the Wayback Machine and do, do a topic that is kind of uniquely my own. So originally I was going to do just how absolutely nutty and insane the Transformers comics are. But I just was nowhere near prepared emotionally or psychologically for that. So I thought to myself, what's a good topic to go over with you guys? Something I can talk about from a very individual expert idea. Not a lot of things came up until I thought about cartoons. So uh, 80s cartoons in particular. And then for a while I batted around, oh, greatest theme songs. But there's like a thousand of them. Because come on, guys, let's admit it. 1980s cartoons are are the best. I mean, they they are the absolute best, and their theme songs kick butt. But then I thought, what were my favorite ones? What were the ones that appealed to me? And in the end, they were the ones that were selling me toys. And yes, I I watched all of them. I used to watch in the morning. Uh, USA Network used to have the the Cartoon Express, and they'd show older cartoons. There'd be a lot of older Hanna Barbera stuff. Uh, Great Great Ape, I remember on there. There was uh, Scooby Doo cartoons. That's what I used to watch. But the ones that I really made appointment viewing were the ones that were usually on the weekdays, a little bit later in the morning, that were definitively selling me toys. So there's some great ones. I'm going to tell you up top, I'm leaving off because I'm probably going to do another podcast reflecting those. But no, if I was to make a top 10 list, Gem and the Holograms would be on that list. But I didn't buy any Gem and the Hologram type toys. As a matter of fact, I can't even think. I guess there were toys of those, but obviously, you guys, please reach out and correct me. But no, I want to do today my top 10, another Casey Kasem-S countdown of the greatest intro of 80s cartoons, boy action figures or boys action or action figures, or whatever you want to call it, special category. And right off the bat, the first one I'm going to give you, the first intro I'm going to play, is technically not an action figure or a toy. Now, they made toys out of this particular cartoon, but I wanted to start off with because it is uniquely me. It is uniquely R.D. Kulik at this time in my life because, man, was I into this. And when I get into the the last few here, these are the toys I definitively bought, but this, I'm cheating, so that's why I'm putting it at number 10. But this was probably something I bought, something I did, and then the cartoon, it led me directly to the cartoon. And that is the intro to the early 1980s Dungeons & Dragons cartoon.
Look out! Fear not, Ranger. Barbarian, magician, thief. Cavalier and acrobat. Avenger, the force of evil. I am Dungeon Master, your guide in the realm of Dungeons and Dragons. So obviously this is an audio medium, and those of you that have no idea what the hell I'm talking about, but Dungeons and Dragons role-playing game, and this was the early version of D&D. I want to say it was technically the advanced Dungeons and Dragons, the first edition, and you had in that little cartoon, obviously everybody had their, their specific character class, and it was people in the modern day that went on a ride to go back, and then you had the five-headed dragon, Tiamat, and some some baddie. So this, to me, was, I, I mean, I can tell you right now, I remember that theme, I remember watching that show, but I don't think I remembered anything in the show, because the Dungeons & Dragons that I played, it wasn't with these, you know, weirdo kids. We're playing some serious Dungeons & Dragons, I guess is what I'm saying. And also, D&D, to be honest with you, I didn't play it as much early, obviously, as my gateway into role-playing games, but I ended up playing more. Uh, there was another TSR game called Top Secret, and ended up playing Cyberpunk, but that I had to start off with that because it, it really, that's about as boys' toys as I could get for a 1980s cartoon, is the Dungeons & Dragons cartoon. Now, let's roll on down the countdown. From pure awesomeness, this is God-level tier of an opening to any show known to mankind. I just need to reflect that we do not do a good job of making absolutely kick-ass openings to TV shows anymore. But in pure awesomeness, it is. It's a little bit lower on my countdown here. Again, it's number nine, but on my countdown, because I didn't really own any of these toys. They weren't my kind of thing. But this is a minute of the most rocking song on the world that it should have made you go buy the toy. I just didn't buy it. And that is the theme to the cartoon JC and the Wheeled Warriors. Thundering across the stars to save the universe from the monster minds. Jay searches for his father to unite the magic root and lead his lightning league to victory over the changing form of Sawboss. Wheeled Warriors explode into battle. Lightning strikes. There's a power that comes from deep I mean, come on, that is that is awesome. 
I mean, that is incredibly, incredibly awesome. And you can this is what I love about these, and you're going to get this through a lot of these theme songs, is they explain the concepts right off of the bat. And the concepts are absolutely maddening crazy. So if I go to Wikipedia here and it says the series follows protagonists JC, Flora, Herc Storm Sailor, Un and Gillian in their search for JC's father, Audric. Meanwhile, they are opposing the main antagonist, Sawboss, and his followers. They've got these weird vehicles with like organic elements to them. I, I mean, just the, the pure hair rockness and the just ripping guitars should have gotten me more on it, but it just, I'll get to vehicles and people and stuff like that later. I just, these weren't the toys I played with, but man, oh man, that theme song is, like I said, it's God-tier level theme music. We just do not do anything close to that anymore. So I'm going to go to another one, which I think is is a cool concept. Again, all these songs I think are great songs. It's another toy. I kind of toyed, I I toyed with, toyed with, toy. I kind of was into it a little bit, but didn't really. I had a friend who was huge into this, and that is Centurions. Now, before I play the theme song, a couple of things about it. First off, Jack Kirby, the legendary comic book artist, and Gil Kane, another legis- legendary comic book artist, they helped do the design for this show. And so this kind of toy commercial had, I mean, some giants behind it. And when we get later in later into the countdown, I will tell you right now, there's no Gil Kane and Jack Kirby that was designing this stuff. But the Centurions TV show, again, it's going to be pretty self-explanatory when you hear this theme song. In the near future, Doc Terror and his cyborg companion hacker unleash their forces to conquer Earth. Only one force can stop this evil, a handful of brave men. In specially created exo-frames, they can be transported anywhere to fuse with incredible assault weapon systems being down from the space station sky vault Becoming man and machine, power extreme. Max Ray, brilliant sea operations commander. Jake Rockwell, rugged land operations specialist. Ace McLeod, daring air operations expert. Whatever the challenge, they are ready. I mean, all kinds of awesomeness. And like I said, that that goes a little bit above JC and the Wheeled Warriors because these are toys I did play with. They had you had the dudes with their suits and the different like weapons and stuff, and you could create different loadouts and all that stuff. As I get later on, you know, the show borrowed heavily from things like G.I. Joe, where everybody had their specialty. You had a sea specialist and a heavy armor specialist and all this other stuff. But what I liked about the Centurions one compared to some of the other ones I'm going to play is it was just straight up dial. I like telling you what it was all about with a little bit of kicking music in the background. It is like the deep voice, like in the near future, da, 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 da. and it just set the stakes. So every time you sat down to watch Centurions, you didn't have to have any like explaining who people were at the beginning or what they were doing. It told you straight up in the intro. Now we're getting into the stuff that, uh, that started to appeal to me. The next one I'm going to talk about here wasn't something I necessarily had as a toy. I think my younger brother did, but there was a uh, a gun that was in this uh, show that was amazing. It was an amazing looking thing, and I've talked about this show before, 
because he also had an amazing sidekick, an amazing pet. And this was, a, so we're going to go through some of these here, but Filmation was a company that did some of these these shows for action figures. Filmation, there was Sunbow, which worked with all the Marvel properties, and DIC, which just embarrassingly at the end of every show, or every show they did, they had some little girl going deek, which was never great. But anyways, this next one is Brave Star. Now, again, like I said, the gun in this, the horse, all that stuff is totally awesome. But the intro mixes this, like, you know, cool music with, again, all this exposition. So without further ado, here is the intro to Brave Star. Brave Star. Brave Star. In a distant time and faraway place, the planet of New Texas floats deep in space. Sky of three suns, land of precious ore, the carrion rush brought outlaws by the score. A lawman appears with powers of pop, wolf, puma, and bear. Protector of peace, mystic man from afar. Champion of justice, Marshal Brave Star. So the planet of New Texas with ore and all this other great stuff. Brave Star makes no gosh darn sense to me whatsoever. <laughs> I mean, uh, it. Uh, I don't know what exactly I can say about Brave Star that uh, it, it just is so weird. I mean, it looked great. Filmation had this great, I mean, great knack for it. It's. I, I'm not going to play it on this one, but He-Man is one I could have easily played. The thing with He-Man is, I mean, again, it fits kind of these bills, stuff like that. I've talked about it in the past when we did the history of the He-Man toys. He-Man, to me, it wasn't as much of a toy that I did play with. And like I said, I didn't play with some of these other toys. But when I talk about the top 10 music, something has to get kicked out. So He-Man got kicked out. If I was going to play the whole, uh, what's it, the song they played during He-Man, the whole He-Man, I might do that. Because it is great. It's the greatest song that only has one line, which is He-Man. Well, maybe on Wisconsin. I think the University of Wisconsin's fight song is just on Wisconsin. But, you know, that's neither here nor there. But Filmation did have this really great style. And this is going to definitively be me, old man, yelling at Cloud. And I have said again and again how some of my favorite shows are things like uh, Star Wars, The Clone Wars, Rebels, these kind of newer animation styles. But I go back and I watch these Sunbow or I watch these Filmation things, and that is incredible animation. To kind of get off on a sidebar, I remember when I first got Disney+, Plus, I went back to watch. I watched like The Black Cauldron and Sword in the Stone. I remember I even watched The Sleeping Beauty, which Sleeping Beauty is a boring movie, but it is beautiful to look at. I mean, a masterpiece, Pinocchio. So I know I'm going to be like, oh, the old days here. But these these hand-drawn things and the way they look are incredible. Now, it doesn't always work out really well because I th- I don't think it was 80s anyways. But if I did the DIC version of G.I. Joe, it's, uh, its theme song is stupid. Its animation is stupid. So, you know, whatever. But that those filmation shows, they, they are quite something else. 
before we get to the last song here in our first half that I want to talk about, I got to do my long distance dedication. Okay, so here I'm. I'm going to read a letter to you. Okay, hold on. Let me get let me get the letter out here. All right, because I'm not reading email because this is old school. I'm going to read an actual letter. Dear RD. You really make me happy with remembering the greatness of my childhood, but my childhood wasn't always filled with greatness. Sometimes it was filled with disappointment, even, dare I say, some sadness. Well, at the time, my friends were going out and getting these incredibly cool toys. A beautiful blue and red truck that transformed into a huge robot. A gun, yes, a gun that my friends and I could run around with that also transformed into a robot. And I thought to myself, wow, I absolutely would love to get one of these transforming type robot things so my parents who did their best but didn't always know what was the best went out and bought me these incredible little toys that about the size of a hot wheel with the names of like psykill and i can't even remember the rest of the names here that's how sad this story is so could you please for me just to remember the disappointment of my childhood play the intro to the gobot show signed Ryan Kulik. So, Ryan, here for you is the intro. I believe it was actually called Battle of the Gobots or something like that. But the intro to the Gobots cartoon. I was right. It was called Challenge of the GoBots. And sorry, Mom and Dad, I just had to be dramatic on that. Look, I loved my GoBots. I still remember having the little airplane and they, I mean, pieces falling off all the time, things like that. And also, just so you guys know, I think I talked about it in our history of the Transformers toys. The GoBots were before the Transformers. It's like me saying that the the Cincinnati Reds are the original baseball team or something like that. It doesn't mean they're the New York Yankees. Okay. So I just, I just had to throw that out there, but the GoBots, the challenge of the GoBots, a poor, poor, poor GoBots. They really, really tried, but it just didn't happen. So there's my long distance dedication. Now to end off this half, it's going to, I'm going to play something for probably, probably one of the last big toy lines I got really, really crazy about. I really went, and I remember there's a store in St. Louis called Grandpa's. I think it was Grandpa Pigeons or something like that. And I remember it was the first time in my life I felt like I spent a lot of money because the tax on this toy that I personally bought with money I'd earned, the tax was over $1. That's how like shocked I was. The taxes were over $1 on this. And this took two of my favorite concepts. It took this, this G.I. Joe, these guys with specialties and all that stuff, and melded it with the Transformers in these vehicles that would change. The disappointing thing about this particular toy is they weren't the same scale. They, I mean, I guess you could say Transformers-wise are the same scale. And honestly, the transformations were shoddy at best. But the thing I bought was like this old 57 Chevy that guns would pop out and the turret and pop in the air and stuff like that. And of course, all of you are sitting there just screaming right now, RD, just play the damn music for the show Mask. 
I mean, that that is a rocking song. I, I have to absolutely say that. And I wish I wish the mask toys were better. Maybe they were better than I'm remembering. The intro ends on this green motorcycle that turns into like a gyrocopter. That was a kick-ass toy. Okay, I'm going to give it up for that. But I even remember Mask had this big uh, base you could build that was like a gas station built into a mountain that turned into, uh, I don't know, you just put some armor on it or something like that. But And also, you want to just talk about great bad guy names, Venom. The name of the order, and it stood for something. I can't remember off the top of my head right now, but we're not talking about the toy mask. I might talk about that in the future. It's just those little tiny figures and those masks. It, I just wish, I know late, or I think it was in a refresh of the G.I. Joe line, they did the Mac Tracker, Trasker, or whatever, the head of the mask team. I, I was out of it by then, but I, I just, I love that theme song. It's so great, and it brings me so back. And I hope it's bringing you guys back. So while we continue to go back, I am, I'm getting disoriented here because I'm about to hit the kickiest ass of kick-ass 80s theme songs that are selling boys' toys. I mean, you guys are going to be blown away. And I might shock you because I know a lot of you think you know what I'm going to make number one. It's not what you think. So there's my tease. And take a breather here. We'll come back and we'll do our top four. Hello all, this is RD. I wanted to talk to you guys about another podcast that I do work on. It's called High Heels and Politics. It's hosted by Marianne Christie, who I work with here in Southwest Ohio. And Marianne, she interviews a lot of influential people. In Ohio, she's interviewed uh, a lot of political people that are influential. But for those of you outside of this state, she's also interviewed people like Susie Chapstick Chaffee, a former Olympic skier who was the face of Chapstick for the 1970s and 1980s. It's really interesting to listen to that one because She talks about her struggles as a woman in the Olympics, but then how she used her celebrity and her attractiveness in order to get more rights for amateur athletes, which led us today to things like the NIL. Also, Susie was very instrumental in Title IX, which we're celebrating the 50th anniversary of. But it's not all just seriousness. Uh, Marianne has also interviewed the Naked Cowboy, the New York City icon that's been out there. Simon Lease, who a lot of you may know if you've ever seen The People vs. Larry Flint, he was the guy that arrested Larry Flint. He also arrested Jerry Springer when Jerry Springer was a member of the Cincinnati City Council here. So I encourage you guys go to Spotify, Google, Apple, go search High Heels in Politics, follow, subscribe the show. Marianne comes out with a new one every week, and it's an incredibly great conversation. And if you're interested or know anybody that may be on High Heels in Politics, Just go to the contact page and talk to us. So let's get back to the conversation. Okay, guys. So now we are going to talk about toys I bought, except for number one. I had some of it, and it's going to mean more when I speak about it. But there is is no greater theme song of this category, or I think theme song in television history than the one I'm about to play, the one that I'm going to play number one. But these next three, these are the toys I wanted to play with. These are the shows I made sure I got home to watch. These are the things I talked with my friends about to an annoying level. And these are the toys that today I am still collecting (laughs) because I'm an idiot. I still am going out there and finding these particular toys, especially these next two that I'm going to play, the number four and number three songs. The only reason they're not number one is one and two is just a no-doubter, okay? We're talking about three and four. They're, they're a 300 hitter with 30 home runs, 100 RBIs. 
one and two are dudes that flirt with 400 and hit 50 home runs and break records in RBIs, okay? That's how big and important these are. You guys aren't here to hear me exactly talk. You're here to hear about these great, great theme songs. So let me start with number four. Now, number four is the one a lot of people are going to think is number one. And of any toy line that I collected or I played with, I should say not collected, that I played with back in the 1980s, this was tops for me. Star Wars was second, but this was the top one for me. I've talked about it a lot. I've gone through different things. And even today, I'm looking right now, just at my desk. I recently got a bunch of shelves to put stuff up. I've got, uh, I put a bunch of comic books up. And of the comic books I put up, the majority of them are from this brand. What I look at right now is uh, a light blue Super 7 version of Snake Eyes, a pop figure of Dr. Mindbender in his glorious cod piece and suspenders with no shirt on. This is an incredible theme song. It's so incredible. I'm basically playing it two weeks in a row because of some of the greatest written words of the English language. And you guys know it. You guys know what I'm talking about. And I'm going to play the original, the OG from season one, the first, the the mass device miniseries of the cartoon G.I. Joe, A Real American Hero. G.I. Joe is the code name for America's daring, highly trained special mission force. Its purpose, to defend human freedom against Cobra, a ruthless terrorist organization determined to rule the world. He never gives up. He'll stay till the fight's won. G.I. Joe will dare. G.I. Joe. I mean, that is, that is as patriotic as humanly possible. And I'm going to talk more about this when I go into the future or the past, I'm sorry, of G.I. Joe. But what's so great, especially about that cartoon, is you show that very first, the very first time you saw that, the next scene you see is a, a Sky Striker, a plane. I think they're, F, they're modeled after F-14s, whatever was in Top Gun. You see them, the, the original and the new one, spoiler alert. You see him coming in, and it's scarlet. It's a woman that's flying it, and there's some, you know, some horniness between her and Duke and all that stuff. But right off the bat, Scarlet is her own person, has her own agency, and is a leader. And as a young man, seeing this woman in this military background being a leader, woke myself up. Okay, <laughs> that's, that's that's the beginning of my wokeness. I'm always going to give love to GI Joe for that. But just that theme song, it's. It's propulsive, and that little bit, you know, G.I. Joe's uh, organization for, to fight Cobra, a ruthless terrorist organization. I mean, just so much perfection in that little piece and action, and I know they're not hitting anything, but God, I mean, I just so much. Personally, it's my number one, but as a guy, as a, as a, uh, as a true, true art critic, I got to know what greatness is, and it's great to me. I think it's great overall, but there are three that I think are better. So let's go to number three. I've played Mask. I've played GoBots. 
But the thing, I played G.I. Joe. But the thing that kind of outreached them all, the thing that actually inspired me to do this particular podcast is the Transformers. Okay, well, why is that better? Why is it better than G.I. Joe? Why is it better than Mask? Why did I put it number three on here? Uh, first off, it kicks ass. That's why. It's, it's got that great music. It's, it's robots in disguise. But more than anything, it's that robotic-sounding fake voice. It is something from another world. And I cannot, like I said, I wanted to do a whole podcast about this, but I think I need somebody there. I recently went through the entire run of the original Transformers comic book. And it is insane. I mean, insane. I'm talking insane for a comic book. All right. One of my, you know, dorky hipster things I'm doing now is I'm I'm going back to collect the comic books that I used to read as a kid. Mainly G.I. Joe. I'm really big in going out there and finding these iconic G.I. Joe comic books that I loved as a kid because I want to look at them. I don't want to remember in the just crap storm that's going on in the world. I want to look at them and go, man, I remember that and that looks great. And the very first one I went out there and got, the very, very first one was G.I. Joe number 55, which is Unmaskings. For those of you that know, it's the G.I. Joe comic where on the cover there's Snake Eyes, Destro, and Cobra Commander taking their masks off. It is one of the most disappointing comics I have ever seen in my entire life, but that cover is iconic. I remember it well, and I'm going out there to get that. The other ones I'm getting are these Transformers comics because, again, in a world of... Superman, Batman, the Marvel stuff, all this crap. The Transformers comics are absolutely insane. And I mean insane. To the point Optimus Prime blows himself up because he loses to Megatron in a video game. But they're able to, they saved his brain on a three and a half inch floppy disk. And they're able to bring him back. And Starscream ends up absorbing all this weird energy to become a super being. And the creator of the Transformers, Primus, is fighting Unicron, the world eater. And I think Optimus Prime, in 80 issues, which is great that they actually, it was supposed to be a four-issue series. So the first four say one of four, two of four, da-da-da. Spider-Man shows up in episode, or episode, in issue number three. But when they finally did the last one, issue 80, it said, 80 in a series of four or something like that. And then they even went back like 30 years later to finish that story. And it's actually really, I think those, they call them regeneration one. They're really, really good. But just those 80, they are insane because the Transformers line was insane. It was an incredibly insane product. And even the cartoon, I have not... I've gone through the G.I. Joe cartoon. I can't go through the Transformers cartoon. It is it is maddening. It's so just weird and so many characters, but that theme song just sticks with you. And I could have even played the one from the movie, but this is about TV shows. Just the, the rockin' Transformers theme song. It is so iconic and so great. And the Autobots and the Decepticons and, oh, God, I love the Transformers. 
but it could not be one of the top two songs. And I'm going to tell you guys the truth here. I almost two-faced this at the end and just flipped a coin. But I knew the number one had to be the number one. And while I played with G.I. Joe, while I played with Transformers, I didn't play with these toys as much, but I made damn sure I made it home every weekday to see this cartoon. And you just want to talk about what the 80s were and just the weirdness of toys. I can't go any further than the creation, the idea, and the implementation of the Thundercats. I mean, that is so much awesomeness. The song itself stands on its own. The song itself is something something Ty should be listening to while he's running, because that just gets you going. And this thunder, thunder, thunder. I mean, it is so great. But the Thundercats themselves, I mean, this this weird-ass sword that I don't know why it starts off as a dagger and it, it, it like grows when he says thunder, thunder, thundercats. And then the bad guy, though, Mumra. I mean, this show was so filled with madness. I mean, just pure and utter insanity. I can talk about the Transformers comics, but Thundercats is just, ah. Oh. But come on. Also, as a young man, I got to talk about Chitara. Just an awakening. I mean, this is, the Thundercats were appointment watching. I had to get there to sit down in front of my TV and watch whatever madness is going to happen with the Thundercats. It was so, so cool. And while I said I didn't really play with the toys as much, I had that damn sword. I had it. And I today have a Mumra, because that's how incredibly awesome just the implementation of something that still to this day makes no sense. Now, before I go on, I I wanted to talk about a few that people are going to say, oh, why didn't you have those on there? Because they are iconic. Let's start with Inspector Gadget. Inspector Gadget, the toy was inspired by the cartoon. Things I'm talking about are pure and utter delivery methods of me being a little boy and going to my mom and saying, buy me Bone Star or go to hell, like Bart does. These are ways to tell me to go buy these toys. These are toy commercials. Now, famously... The G.I. Joe show had the PSAs on it, which if you guys are G.I. Joe fans and you haven't been reading Saturday Morning Adventures, uh, the last one's already come out. But, oh, my God, not only are they really, really good, and I mean really, really good. And I want to give a shout out to the Joe on Joe podcast. He did a recap of all four of the issues. And, I mean, he's much more passionate and knowledgeable about this stuff than I am. 
So go listen to him. But at the end of each of these comic books, there's a one-page PSA. Oh, just awesome. Just so awesome. He-Man famously filmed a few PSAs, but they never showed them. The shows I'm talking about were toy delivery systems. So why don't I have Voltron on here? Because, again, I never thought of the Voltron toys until after the show was on. Robotech, another one. I know you guys are going to be like, but you played Dungeons & Dragons. Well, it's my show. It's my microphone. So I'm going to decide that. I had to cut down some things. I wanted to play them all. I know another one was uh, Visionaries, which is like at a time when science is no longer useful and we have magic. I mean, just, again, craziness. But the truth is, at the end of the day, the Visionary song doesn't quite slap like JC and the Wheeled Warriors or Centurions. So I really wanted to focus this on like toys and things like Inspector Gadget, things like, uh, like I said, He-Man I didn't play with quite as much. I like the show much more than I like the toy. Or even things like Voltron, Robotech, they just a Battle of the Planets. It, it just did not fit in for this specific theme. But I'm going to tell you what fit in here. I didn't play with these toys as much, but I did go out and buy some of them. I have some of them today. The greatest arcade video game I think ever made came from this group. One of the greatest games you can play right now, if you have the Xbox Game Pass, it is on the Game Pass right now, came from this show. And this theme song, which a few things about it. First off, Chuck Lorre, the guy that uh, did, um, whatchamacallit, uh, uh, he, he's doing all the shows that my parents think I should like, The Big Bang Theory, Two and a Half Men, stuff like that, wrote the lyrics to this song. And if I'm ever to do a greatest theme song, and I'm going to sit with Ty or Tina or whoever it may be in television history, this is in the conversation. It's not a cartoon theme song. It's not a toy theme song. It is one of the greatest television theme songs ever. And that is the theme to the cartoon, the 1980s cartoon, Selling Me a Toy, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. I mean, that is that is so great. That is so, so, so great. I mean, Chuck Laurie annoys the hell out of me, and I don't know anything about him other than my parents or my in-laws saying, oh, have you watched Big Bang Theory? In the-? No, no. But my God, what, what, what a way to come out. That's coming out in your first game as a rookie and, and just hitting a home run. I mean, that is such a good theme song. And like I was saying earlier, the arcade game of that, iconic, incredible, great. The I think it was either the NES or the SNES, one of the hardest levels in video game history. There is right now Shredder's Revenge, which is kind of like a riff on the old original arcade game. Great, great, great. I mean, so great that the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles 
have never disappointed me. Now, I've never seen the Michael Bay movies, but they've never disappointed me, okay? Even the Go Turtle, Go Turtle rap or whatever from The Secret of the Ooze. I Just such a, just say the name, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. Guys, this is what the 80s were. I mean, and this was late 80s. I believe 87 is when the show first came on. But, oh my God, I... I worked at Chuck E. Cheese when I was in high school, and I graduated in 1993, so this would have been early 90s. And I remember we used to, I, w- I was one of the game room people, which means I had to be in the Chuck E. costume, but outside of that, it was like somebody would be like, oh, that's my token. I'd give them free games. Me and other workers, when we were closing or doing stuff like that, would play that arcade game and went through it. It was so great. The design of these things is so great. Everything. Again, I haven't seen the Michael Bay movies, but everything surrounding the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles it just took the this m- mismatch of just weirdness and made it great. And that song is the tip of the spear. That song is so iconic. That song is so good that I wasn't going to do a podcast, but I was like, I had that song in my head. I was thinking, I told you this originated from a Transformers idea. And I'm like, oh, that Transformers is a great theme song. But you know what? It's not the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles theme song. Damn, that is great. That is so good. So that's it. That's my countdown. That's that's my my top 10 greatest 1980s animated show category boys toys action figures. Such a long name. I got to figure out a way to make it a lot shorter. But that's it. I mean, that we're going to start with some Dungeons and Dragons. We're going to end with some Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. And I'm sorry, ladies, but I'm taken. I'm spoken for. I'm married. I know you're thinking, how can a guy this cool be spoken for by one woman? But that's just the truth. That's just the way it is. Call me old-fashioned. I mean, what am I going to say? So with all that being said, thank you guys for your ears. Anything else? Oh, before I go through all that stuff, remember, may not be here, but you got to go follow Ty. Instagram, Facebook, he's not on Twitter enough, but that's his fault. You go yell at him about that. The reason he wasn't doing this today is because he's recording an episode of Chucklehead Chat. Go follow Chucklehead Chat, because that's where you're going to get your tie fix, okay? He keeps doing that show. Before you know it, I'm going to be doing the greatest cartoon theme songs of the Eastern Germany uh, 1970s, I don't know, whatever. You just better watch out, that's what I'm saying. But go get your tie fix on Chucklehead Chat. And like I said, next week, Tina and I are going to be talking about Wimbledon. And we're already in this house with some hot-ass takes coming. So put your oven mitts on because it's going to be hot. So there, with all that being said, we thank you for your ears. Anything else that you may use to listen to the Ex-Millennial Man podcast. Remember, we are here every Saturday for free wherever you find your fine podcasting shows. And weather's crazy here weather's crazy everywhere be safe register to vote make your voices heard i'll talk to you next week The Ex-Millennial Man Podcast is a production of SeedSing.com, fully owned by R.D. Kulik & Associates, LLC. Producers Ty Kulik and Ryan Kulik, adequately engineered by Ryan Kulik.